Hello, everyone, and welcome back to BibleStudyPodcast.org. I am your host, John Krause, and today is Friday, June 17, 2011. I hope everyone's had a great week so far. I've had a, a cold for a part of this week, so if you hear a little bit of a frogginess in my voice, that's what that is. I've <clears throat> thought I've uh, cleared it up pretty good. But besides my sickness, everything's been uh, going well. All my kids are finishing up school for the year this week, and uh, so we're going to be moving into our summer months with, in my family and moving on to summer activities. So that's exciting, lots of going to fun parks and water parks and pools and outside time. So we're all looking forward to uh, looking forward to that. Okay, before we get started, I'd like to uh, wish Toby Logston a happy birthday. I don't know if many of you know that this week was his birthday on the 14th. So happy birthday, Toby, and uh, may God bless you with many, many more, my friend. We thank you for uh, starting this online ministry, and and we thank you for the many blessings it has brought to all of us. Thanks, Toby. Happy birthday. Please join me with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord, and thank you for the ability to gather together in this online forum and, 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 and have fellowship and new ways. Lord, we thank you for this online ministry. We thank you for Toby uh, and, and you leading him down the path he has gone down that has allowed us to both listen and learn from him. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we ask that you anoint this time as we gather here together to study your word. Lord, may your word resonate in us all the days of our life, Lord. And Lord, we ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, okay, let's move on to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. I'll go ahead and read. And if you address as the Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of a lamb, unblemished and spotless. The blood of Christ. Okay, now we're now coming into the third command here so far in First Peter uh, that we Christians should follow. Last podcast we went over verses thirteen. Uh, the first command: fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the first command is hope fully in the grace of God. The second command came in verse fifteen: be holy in all your behavior. God says, "Be holy, for I am holy." And that's verse sixteen. So the first command is being hopeful in the grace of God. And the second command is be holy because God is holy. This podcast, we're going to focus on the third command, which is conduct yourselves in fear. Verses 17, and if you address as the father, the one whom impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth. So if you're keeping track here, the number one, live in hope. Number two, live in holiness. And number three, we're moving into here, live in fear. As we read further into 1 Peter, we see that we are being told to distance ourselves from the ways of this world and move toward a more holy way of living. And because of this, I think more and more people will have a hard time dealing with what is being asked of them or us because secular society has crept so far into the mindset of so many Christians that it's hard to know where the Christian in you and the secular you are different. You'll know the difference there. I don't think many of us will have an issue with the first command, living in hope. That one's pretty easy for most of us to follow. It's pretty easy to hope in God. Then we get a little bit more into the meat here 
with the live in holiness, okay? That's a little bit harder. What does that mean? If if you are, are like me and you might have a picture of like a monk in a brown robe walking around uh, praying all day and fasting, that's what you kind of might think of. Well, does that is that what it means to be holy? So not knowing fully what that holiness looks like might be might make it a little bit hard to apply to our lives in any, you know, consistent way. So Live in fear, or fear of God is not a big part of the church these days. You don't hear a lot of fear preaching. You know, the fire and brimstone, you don't hear any of that too much anymore. You will hear it in some places, but overall you're not going to hear it too much. They've kind of watered it down to make it a little more seeker-friendly, so when people walk in the church, you know, they have questions, and they're, they're searching now a church. They don't want to be that church that as soon as they, they scare all these people away because they get the fire and brimstone message. And so that's probably a lot of the issues we're having these days with this watered-down message of the gospel. We are told that, that God loves us and wants, to, wants us to accept him, and he forgives us, and you know all, that, all the nice things, which are correct. Those are all absolutely correct. But when we do this, we end up with people just doing what they, what they want, thinking that God is, is, is fine with me. You know, He forgives me. He loves me. So he knows I'm a sinner. He knows I have problems, and we're just going to work it all out. And I'm not really going to work on it too much because, you know what, he's going to forgive me anyways, right? Such a wrong way to think. You know, God does love you, but he wants you to live a holy life. And he wants you to in a healthy, have a little bit of a healthy fear. We might say that we might need to balance this, this touchy feel-good message with the fire and brimstone because we, they're both correct. I don't think many of us, it does seem to be confusing to hear about having a fear in God and a hope and joy in God when we speak about what is expected of us as Christians. But honestly, it, it can't be too far of a stretch for most of us who might have had a fear and, and love relationship with you know, our biological fathers. You know, I always had my dad's voice in the back of my head when I was growing up of what I should and should not be doing. You know, that, that fear of punishment helped keep me straight in times when you know, my ignorant teenage mind tried to reason or justify what I was doing you know, it was my dad's voice in there that's saying, you probably don't want to do that because it's not going to be worth what's going to happen to you when you get caught. Sometimes the fear was enough, and sometimes it was not for me. You know, there's a big difference between, obviously, between God and my dad. My dad, I actually had a chance of getting away with whatever it is I was going to be uh, getting into. But with God, there's no chance of getting away with it. Uh, you know, we're, we're not just going to be able to skate by, you know, unscathed with our sin. So you can see that for cultural and biblical reasons, there is a resistance to preaching about the fear of God. And why? Why is that? And to put it simply, people don't like hearing it. They don't like hearing the bad stuff. That's why the biggest church in this country is centered around this touchy, uh, feel-good message. It's because people don't want to hear the negative stuff. And you'll have people that actually say, you know, my God would never do such and such and my God would never condemn such and such and people are making up God in their own mind that's idolatry you're making up God in your own mind you're you're, you're trying to place your own morals and what you believe to be right you're trying to put that on God when you can't do that and I place a lot of the blame obviously on many of the preachers out there many of the pastors out there that are that are uh, they're bending the message that is supposed to be out there, the, the, the message that you need to have a healthy fear in God. That's what keeps us on the straight and narrow. You know, we need to step outside of our comfort zones and obey the things in the Bible that might make you uncomfortable or things that you don't fully understand. 
We need to follow those commands and pray on them and move on knowing that God will not lead us astray. And if you don't understand something, go search for the answer. Ask a question. And by doing this, we grow stronger as Christians. We need to take verses 17 through 19 here very, very seriously and strive to be in this world, not of it. So, how are we to fear God? Peter is telling us to fear God in the second half of verse 17. Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth. And if you look at the front side of that command, quote, if you address as the Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, end quote, the reason for conducting ourselves in fear is the one we call Heavenly Father judges everyone by the same measure. We all know what our deeds say about our heart, don't we? We've talked about this before in previous podcasts. We have all probably heard of the sayings, you know, actions speak louder than words, people will know us by our fruits. I know that we probably all heard those sayings. Jesus used the same word for fear when he said in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, quote, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him, end quote. I don't know about you, but that causes a little bit of fear in me. Now, I'm sure that we can all agree that our, our deeds say a lot about our heart. Even if you're not a Christian, you probably think this. Even non-Christians think that you know how people act is a direct result of what is inside of them. We don't know a lot of really good people that do a lot of bad things, nor do we know a lot of bad people that do a lot of really good things. You know, Just to be clear, I'm not saying that our works or deeds save us or earn us anything. You know, there's only one thing that the Bible tells us will save us, and that is our faith in Jesus Christ. But there is also a standard of judgment, and that is our deeds. If we think about it, we realize we're going to be judged according to our works, then we're going to watch what we do. We should be afraid to do evil. We should be afraid not to do good on this earth. That should be a natural part of your Christian life. You shouldn't have to force good deeds or anything like that if, if you're a true Christian these good things will flow from you because if they're not you really have to question if you have true faith if you truly believe that God will judge you and that there is a heaven and that there is a hell because if you're not living like there is a heaven or a hell you must not really believe in God you know this is why you need to have a fear in God this is not Santa Claus we're talking about here we're dealing with the maker of heaven and earth you know, some people might try to make him out. Is it somebody that only gives, 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 gives? No matter what you do, it's always going to be good and rainbows and butterflies. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom, knowledge, instruction, and understanding that it prolongs life in his strong confidence. And ultimately, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, quote, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. End quote. Fearing God will keep you away from evil. Your strongest defense against the flesh, against evil, against sin, is to fear the Lord. If you fear God, you will live in holiness. Romans chapter 11 verse 20 says, quote, Quite right, they were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. End quote. What are we to fear? Peter means, is not hoping in God. We should fear God when we find ourselves backsliding into our old ways, into our old sinful ways. 
when men find themselves pursuing pornography, uh, which, by the way, is, is ruining men in this country. It's absolutely ruining men and, and thus ruining families. You know, adultery is ruining men and ruining families. You know, how, how dare you disrespect your wife and your family because of those sins? But even more, you're rejecting God when you sin like that. It's an abomination. Pornography and adultery, it's an abomination. And your fear in God should keep you from doing things like that, men. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. You are destroying your hope, and you should have fear in the Lord. Jesus told us that, quote, If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better to enter life with one eye than with two and be cast into hell. You know, many churches and, and many Christians are starting to look exactly like the world around them. Because of one reason, not having a true fear in God. I think we might be thinking that grace means not having the need to fear judgment. Because we just think everything is forgiven and there's no reason to live a holy life. That there would be no punishment for what we do. First Peter chapter 1 verse 17 is telling us that that way of thinking is wrong. So if the fear of damnation or judgment isn't enough, it's not enough for you. Think about Jesus being tortured and crucified. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Think about the price that was paid for our salvation. Listen to this again. Conduct yourselves in fear knowing, because you know you were ransomed with not a small temporary valuable thing like gold or silver, but with an infinite eternal value, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, who was without sin, sacrificed himself for every human to cover our sins. Fear because you have been ransomed at infinite cost. Peter specifically stresses in verse 18 and 19 the eternal value of the ransom paid for us. Peter tells us that gold and silver are perishable. They don't last. And he calls the blood of Jesus precious, meaning it is infinitely valuable. The last part of verse 18 says, quote, Feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers. Acts chapter 14 verse 15 says this about the idolatrous practices of our forefathers. Quote, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the things that are in them. End quote. So the sum of this is to turn away from idolatry of your forefathers. The ransom paid for us by Jesus is permanent. It is precious and is eternally valuable. With this knowledge, we as Christians can widen our foundations of our faith. We can become stronger Christians. We can stand taller and grow. Psalms chapter 130 verse 4 it says, quote, There is forgiveness with you, O God, that you may be feared. End quote. The victory we are achieving in this verse is not the freedom from the guilt of sin, but from the power of sin. If Jesus' sacrifice and bloodshed was not infinitely precious, it would not have the power to cover all of our sins, but it does. It could not change our conduct, but it can. Paul tells us in Titus chapter 2, verses 11-14, through 14, quote, 
For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and the worldly desires to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. End quote. Beautiful verse. I love that. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16 says this, quote, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. End quote. That is so true. So true. Finally, Jesus' sacrifice, the, the blood paid out for our ransom. It, provi- it provided our justification and our sanctification. It is our pardon and our purity. Therefore, knowing what we know about the preciousness and the eternal value of Jesus' blood sacrificed for our sin, if we know this, if we continue to act the same as we did when we were dead in our sin, ignoring the preciousness and the permanence of the blood of Christ, then we should have fear. You should definitely fear in that. Your life and my life, they are a witness to the work of Jesus Christ. And if our hope and joy lay not with Him, but in worldly things, then we deny Christ. We deny Him. And we do not belong to Him. This should cause fear. Actual fear in you. Listen, friends. God does love you, but we should not live as though the blood of Christ sacrificed for us was not something of infinite value. You know, live, enjoy life, love the Lord, love your neighbor, love each other, put others before ourselves, and we will be fine. If we were to all love each other the way Christ tells us to, this world would be so much different. It would be a beautiful place, beautiful, hope in the grace of God. But fear not having that hope. Fear backsliding into sin and forgetting the preciousness and eternal value of the grace of God. Never, ever forget the price paid for us. God does love you, but do you think you can live your life as if the blood of Christ sacrificed for us was not something of infinite value? Just keep that question in your mind. Try to think of it at least once a day. It will help keep you focused on things that we should be focused on. Okay, everyone, that's all I have for this episode. Let me end this with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for this message today. Lord, may the message received resonate in us. May we always keep in mind how we're supposed to act on this earth, Lord, and that having a healthy fear in you will help guide us to be holy people. Lord, we lift up this time of study and prayer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for downloading this podcast. I hope it blessed you. I know it's blessed me doing it. And until next time, everyone, keep growing your faith. Yahweh, I adore you. Tell me how to get more of you in your eyes, a jealous fire. Can I reach up any higher to you?
El El Yon, the Most High Lord, my hiding place, my great reward, the first and last, the Holy One. You face the prize for which I run and run. Hear the winds, where do they go? We born of spirit are like those hearts for you that burn and grow into hearts, yeah, that explode into love, sick worshippers. You want love, sick worshippers, so alive and desperate. And this message has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us, and we ask nothing further from you. But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us going and growing. If you'd like to make a donation to BibleStudyPodcast.org to keep us going and reaching thousands of people around the world, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, and you can make a donation on the right-hand side by clicking on the support box. Again, we do rely on your support, and we thank you so much for your financial participation in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today, and keep going closer to Jesus. Jesus love sick worshippers you want love sick worshippers so alive and desperate at your feet Jesus love sick worshippers we are love sick worshippers in our hearts desire will be complete when we see you Get more of you in your eyes, a jealous fire. Can I reach up any higher? El Elyon, the Most High Lord, my hiding place, my great reward, the first and last, the Holy One. You face the prize for which I run and run. Hear the winds, where do they go? We born of spirit are like those. Hearts for you that burn and grow into hearts, yeah, that explode into love. Sick worshippers, you want love. Sick worshippers, so alive and desperate at your feet. Jesus, love. Sick worshippers, you want love. Sick. Worshippers in our hearts Desire will be complete When we see you When we see you When we see you When we see you
you Tell me how to get more of you In your eyes, jealous fire Can I reach up any higher to you?